And so today, as we celebrate Easter, we celebrate the resurrection, and I want to make sure that we really understand what that means for us. Um, you are going to be spending, hopefully, time with your families today. Uh, you'll do Easter egg hunts. You'll have meals. Um, maybe you won't, and that's your happy Easter. I don't know. <laughs> but regardless, I want us all to really understand and grasp what the resurrection means today and why we celebrate Easter. So that is what we are going to be looking at. We will be in John chapter 20, uh, verses 1 through 29. And as I normally do, I'm going to read those verses to you. And I will tell you this morning that today is going to be scripture heavy. So if you have a problem with scripture, maybe not your day, uh, but we need to talk about that later. So we can, we can discuss that because that's a problem. Uh, John chapter 20, verses 1 through 29 says this. It says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other's disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Now, I don't know if you guys noticed that, but can you hear like one of the other apostles giving Peter a jab here? Like, they both ran, but Peter came in second. You know what I mean? Peter, a little chubby, is my opinion. I, I, feel his, I feel his pain is all I'm saying. As I read that and I related heavily to it because I can run to something with any of you and I'll probably get there second. So uh, just wanted to bring that up. Thought it was funny, but you're welcome. Um, and so there we go. It says both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, Tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, 
I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. And, through the, and though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. And then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. Now Jesus, on his time on earth, he performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. The resurrection shows us that death doesn't have to be the end. Literally, eternity is an option for each and every one of us. It's a possibility. And it's a possibility because Jesus made it so. The past four weeks as we've been studying various passages, uh, we've seen in John 6 where Jesus referred to himself as the bread of life. He said in uh, John 6, chapter 40, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up in the last day. And then the week after, when Jesus declared that I am the good shepherd, in John chapter 10, verse 9, he said that I am the gate, and whoever enters through me will be saved. And I made the statement that if you want to be in God's sheep pen, then you have to enter through the Jesus door. Right? If you want to be in God's sheep pen, then you have to enter through the Jesus door. And then last week when we discussed John chapter 12 and Jesus proclaimed that he was the light of the world, he told us in verse 25 that anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. See, the process is simple. You put your faith in Jesus and you live forever. You put your faith in Jesus and you live forever. If it wasn't for the resurrection, these statements are null and void. Okay, Jesus' resurrection secured our eternity. Jesus' resurrection secured our eternity. The resurrection also shows us that sin is conquerable. This should ease the burden on your heart if you so feel one. This should ease the burden on your heart if you so feel one. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, he said, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds we are healed. Now I feel like this verse is the perfect representation of what happened on the cross because we all have heard that Jesus died for our sins on the cross, right? But this verse makes it clear that he literally bore our sins in his body. He carried the weight of our wrong and willingly went to die on a cross to wipe that slate clean. He did that for you. He did that for me. He did that for everyone else in your life, regardless of where they may find themselves in life. Jesus bore our sins on the cross. And so I want you to hold on to that, that our sin was in Christ and with Christ on the cross. Because in Proverbs 10, 16, we're told that the wages of the righteous is life, but the earnings of the wicked are sin and death. And in Romans 6, 23, we're told that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. As Scripture has made it clear, our sins equate to death. So Jesus, having our sins in his body on the cross, not only should have died, but should have remained dead. And he didn't. And he didn't. 
And that justifies us. Christ appeared to Mary. He appeared to his disciples. The angel said he is not here. He performed many signs in front of thousands of people before he ascended back to heaven. Historical writer Josephus even writes regarding the resurrection, about this time there lived Jesus a wise man. Now I should state before I continue, Josephus was not a Christian, not a believer, but a Jewish historian. And so what he says is about this time there lived Jesus a wise man. When Pilate condemned him to be crucified, those who had come to love him did not give up their affection for him. On the third day, he appeared, restored to life, and the tribe of Christians has not disappeared. In Romans chapter 4, 25, it tells us that he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Jesus' death on a cross and his resurrection wiped our slate completely clean. It's like this. His death on a cross took care of the principle and his resurrection covered all the interest. Right? His death on a cross, it, it took care of our debt, but his resurrection covered the interest. And because he rose, we can have life, we can conquer sin. And we know that if Jesus can conquer sin on the cross, that in our daily lives, we can conquer sin as well. Now, I don't know about you, I don't know if you've ever heard a pastor admit to this, but I struggle with sin. Sometimes on a daily basis. I struggle with pride, I struggle with lust, I struggle with anger, I struggle with all sorts of things. And yet I know that God has forgiven me, and I know that God has called me to preach. An imperfect human being, a person who doesn't deserve to be standing here, and yet something Christ did wiped my slate clean and makes all of this possible. And he can do that for you where you find yourself in life. So regardless of what sin you think you may have committed or what sin others have told you that you have committed, all those things in your life where you feel, "Mm, I wish I would have done that a little bit differently. I'm uncomfortable with how I handled that. I wish I would have done it better. Those actions that are not Christ-like have been wiped away. And if you feel unforgiven, it's not because Christ hasn't forgiven you. It's because you haven't allowed yourself to let go of that. But Christ's death on a cross and his resurrection means that we can. It means that you can. It means that I can. It means that we all can. Because Jesus overcame the grave and conquered sin, we too can conquer sin. In 1 Corinthians 15, 56 through 58, it tells us that the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that the labor in the Lord is not in vain. You ever wonder or think about, am I doing all this for nothing? Like, am I doing all this for nothing? Am I denying myself for nothing? Am I trying to be like Jesus as much as I possibly can for nothing? And this verse makes it clear that because of the resurrection, because of his ability to conquer sin, that nothing we do is for nothing. Nothing we do is in vain. Christ lived his life, died his death, and rose again 
to forgive your sins, but to equate you to himself, to say that you have a place in the kingdom of God, and to say that all are welcome here. He did that for each and every one of us. The resurrection shows us that Christ is a man of his word. In John chapter 10, verse 18, this is the passage we studied a few weeks ago where Jesus declared, I am the good shepherd. Speaking of his life, he states, I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. In John chapter 2, we are told about an instance where Jesus goes into the temple and the Jews there have turned the temple into a marketplace. They're selling sheep and cattle and doves and all sorts of things and Jesus loses it. And he says, get this out of, my, of the temple. Why have you turned God's house into a marketplace? Right? And the Jews want to know, on what authority can you tell us this? Like, who are you to say that to me? And so Jesus says in John chapter 2, verse 19, Destroy this temple, and I will rebuild it in three days. Now, was he talking about the physical temple? At the time, they thought so, but he certainly wasn't. You see, destroy this temple, take my life, and in three days I'll rebuild it. I will resurrect it. In three days I will rise again. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 14 through 17 states this. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But if he did not raise him, but he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. The resurrection is victory over sin, and Christ said it would happen. Without the resurrection, there is no salvation. There is no victory over sin, and there is no eternal life. The, the resurrection secures all those things for us, for all of us. There's a pastor in New York. His name is Timothy Keller. He has uh, quite a large church there, and he had this to say. He said that if Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about any of what he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. That's the decision that each and every one of us has to make. See, if we're living in the dumb and dumber world and you're saying there's a chance, you need to really, really nail that home for yourself. You need to really, really figure out if you think that that happened or not. Because our faith hangs on that moment in time. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then everything that occurred before that point, what's the point? I mean, there's some good teachings there, right? There's good advice. There's ways that we should treat others. Jesus did tell us to love our neighbor as ourself and to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and strength. And that is good advice. But all the things he said about you have to come through me to get to God wiped away. Wiped away. And we will find our faith futile, pointless. But if 
if Jesus did rise three days later, then everything he said is true. And that means that regardless of whether or not you like what he has to say in the Bible, regardless of whether or not you like those teachings, you better get things square with God. You better make sure that you're right with God. I live my life as a man of faith because I truly believe that three days after God died, he rose. That's not an easy statement for me to make comfortably, to be honest. It's not a statement that I've always um, been 100% confident in. I've never seen anybody rise from the dead. I've never seen anybody resource sight to the blind or hearing to the deaf. I've never seen anybody walk on water. I mean, I'm really good at floating in a pool. (laughs) Probably has something to do with adipose tissue. Fat is buoyant. You're welcome. I'm just... We're getting down to the science here. But I believe because in the end, I choose to. And I choose to because I've seen what Jesus' teachings can do to a person's life. I've seen how it can completely restore and change relationships. I've seen how it can take somebody from darkness and depression to light So each and every one of us, we have to decide, is this Jesus who he said he was? And did he rise from the dead? I confidently tell you today that thank God Christ rose from the dead. And because he did, your sins can be forgiven. And because he did, you can live a life in eternity. And because he did, you can share a home with God Almighty. I truly believe that. I wouldn't be here if I didn't. And so that's why we celebrate Easter. We celebrate Easter because Christ rose, Christ changed lives, Christ secured our forever. Today, if you have any questions about that, any questions whatsoever, whether you are not 100% confident in your own salvation, whether you want to come tell me that I'm a fool, whether you um, have questions about any of it, please do so. I will be standing right there to the left underneath that television, and I want to talk to you today. Do not leave this place with something unsettled. Some of you have... um, been visitors with us, we will say, for a long time. Some of you call Crosspoint your home, but uh, you've never really dove into membership. You may want to make that decision today. And if so, come talk to me about the process of how we can make that happen for you. And you don't have to do it now. You can talk to me later. I'll still be here. But don't leave something unsettled today that needs to be settled. And no, 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 that Christ came to this earth and he died on a cross willingly when he didn't have to because he loves you. And three days later, he rose to secure the eternity that he promised you. Let's pray, shall we? Lord, we come to you right now. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done. 
because you did come to this earth and you lived a life of servitude. You lived a life putting others first. You lived a life of love. And God, you willingly were nailed to a cross. And you willingly died for our sins. You told us that you would rise again, and three days later, God, you did. And because you did, we know that we can conquer sin. Because you did, we know that we can be confident in an eternity that you promised. Because you did, we know that we can trust your teachings and your word. God, I pray that anybody here today that has questions about you, that has questions about faith, that has questions about whether or not you truly rose from the dead will come talk to me to just have that discussion. God, we know that Crosspoint is not a place of judgment, but a place of grace. And we have made it a place of grace because you have made it a place of grace. Because ultimately, God, you are grace. And you are love. And you are who you say you are. God, we thank you so much for this day because of what it truly means to us. And as we celebrate Easter in the different ways that we do, whether it be Easter egg hunts or a meal with family or a lunch out with friends, whatever it may be, God, I pray that we hold in our hearts what you have done and who you are. I can't thank you enough for this day because I know it changed my eternity. And I want others to see so badly that it can change theirs. Lord, we thank you for everything and we ask all these things in your name. Amen. As I said, I will be over here to the left. Shelly is straight back. And uh, we are more than willing and happy to talk with you. Uh, grab somebody next to you. Pray where you're standing. But don't let anything not be addressed that needs to be addressed today.